Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, welcome in. Good Friday afternoon at Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming live at supertalk.fm. Michael Borky and Brian Haydad with you. And just to get this out of the way now. I have had one miserable day. Came out of nowhere. Some kind of bug or something has hit me. It hit me at about 10 o'clock. So like right as I really started working on preparing for the show this afternoon, just finished my podcast, settled down into the office, ready to go, and it hit me. I'm going to try to make it through the show today. I don't know how well I'm going to do, but I'm going to try. It's my Jordan flu game today. I'm going to put on the broadcaster face and pretend like nothing's wrong, but behind the microphone... Uh, I just hope we've got some disinfectant spray in here or something so uh, whoever comes in here to run the board for uh, Handyman and Garden Mama tomorrow will not catch whatever I got. So please bear with me. I've been struggling all day. I probably will all afternoon, but it still is great to be with you on this Friday afternoon. And it's just the two of us today. Hey, Dad. So uh, best of luck to you, especially today. Why don't you quit your whining? Why don't you act like a man? That's what I want to know. <laughs> we're gonna get through this my friend <sighs> i'm going to try and at first we're gonna start the show with this because nothing's better than to start a show and you're feeling sick than something that really makes you mad scheduling change in sec baseball and a series that features one team that is basically a lock to be a national seed and another team that is fighting for a hosting site an sec west matchup and hey dad we have a seven inning doubleheader coming it's coming, and it's going to happen. Well, you got. I, I guess at this point, I, we, we talked about the, the SEC tournament maybe going over to this, and I, I did not like that. But in a situation like this, I mean, they just want to get the games in at this point, so they got to do whatever they got to do. And I mean, maybe they just don't, don't. Maybe they just don't feel like they can get it done tomorrow in in, in eighteen innings. So. We'll see. I'm not a huge fan of it, but at least the games look like they're going to happen now. So the change is just one game tonight, still starting at 4 o'clock, though? Yes. Okay, and so we've got baseball here. doubleheader starts at noon. And a noon Saturday doubleheader. So baseball will start on some of the stations you're listening to uh, at 4 o'clock. I think maybe they'll pick up the pregame show halfway through the 3 o'clock hour. I'm not sure, but I know baseball will begin on some of these stations at 4 o'clock where you can catch Mississippi State and Texas A&M. And if you're in one of those stations, you want to keep listening to us for whatever reason, uh, supertalk.fm or on the Supertalk mobile app is the way you can do that. I I know there's a desire to get the games in. I know. But I still think it's ridiculous that, one, you're going to shorten games when we're down the stretch and it's two SEC West teams fighting for postseason play and you're altering the way you you play the game. But since they didn't play yesterday, they should be able to use Friday through Sunday to get three games in. If they'd have started yesterday, I get it. But since they didn't play any games yesterday, they should have the full weekend to get three full games in. From what I was told, it's an SEC rule that any series that is scheduled to start on Thursday has to end on Saturday. So stupid. It just doesn't make any sense. You, you move basketball you think, games? We well, did especially it this- when you think, if, if I'm correct, I know State finished up finals. Graduation is this weekend in Starkville. So it's not a, a question of missing class for MSU's players. And then for A&M's players, well, they're, they're, they're there. What classes are they taking on Sunday? I mean, they, they would be okay to do this, but... You know, it's this just is one another of those example where, of what the way baseball gets treated. Well, it's it's not only that. It's just you, when we ever we talk about the NCAA and I say nobody wants to upset the apple cart. I mean, it, that's a real thing. Nobody wants to change any rules, even when common sense can prevail. I mean, common sense dictates that hey, state can afford to stay in the hotel for one more day and play the game on Sunday. And let's play a full 
three-game series. We can do that. I mean, I take that back. I don't know for sure what the weather forecast is for Sunday. It could be worse than it was last night, for all I know. But assuming it's better, then you could do it. Because it's not. there's not a logistical issue. <laughs> you with, ready for the with, forecast on Sunday in College Station? 80 and sunny, right? 83 and sunny. Yeah. But, you know, and, and like I said, state state's done with with class the players aren't going to you're not you're not hurting the student athlete label just just do it but oh well just goes to show how baseball's treated and uh, there was a story and we put it on on our twitter feed so sports talk mississippi twitter you got to have to scroll down a little bit uh, to find it but teddy cahill a regular guest on this show wrote a story basically how the new duty noble field came about and john cohen in that story before they they get new seat licensing is expecting to bring in $3 million a year or a year in revenue because of that new stadium and yet we can't just alter a schedule to accommodate baseball. We can do it for basketball though. Yeah. Oh, we can we can push a game a day back for basketball. Can't, can't do, do it, it for, for football, baseball though. though. Football games get canceled. Football games get you know, you can't make them up and you end up having to scramble sometimes. So I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I see both sides of the issue. Like I said, I'm just excited that at least it looks like all three, at least three games are going to get played this weekend in College Station. And not really a change, I guess, but since it is Friday, you will have a regular rotation now because of this change. Yeah, and the state just announced the starting lineup for today. Ethan Small is getting the ball today. So from what I can gather, they'll go back to what they would normally do, which is Small tonight. I would expect Ginn to start game two tomorrow. And then, to be honest with you, with with everything being pushed back the way it is, you might end up seeing Peyton Plumlee get that that start on Saturday. That would be a an interesting thing because he started he started uh, what Saturday over in Arkansas, then started Tuesday at, in Jackson against Ole Miss, then started on uh, Sunday against Georgia. So that would be what four starts in the span of about fourteen days. That's a lot. But if he can go, I would expect maybe, if nothing else, you can extend him. You might be able to get three, four innings out of him in relief even if, if you need him. So, But but Ethan Small is on the, the hill for Mississippi State tonight. And so we'll get that good matchup. We'll get that uh, Small versus Doxakis, I think I said it right, matchup. Yeah, Don't have Doxakis. Richard here to correct that. Close enough. Yeah. Uh, David in So Sure says uh, rules were meant to be broken. And by the way, David's the nicest guy on the planet. We've been saying where he's from incorrectly for years now, and he has never corrected us. So uh, the patience uh, on our friend David there, uh, much stronger than mine is, that's for sure. So a few things coming up for you this afternoon. We'll get back to baseball. We've got previews for both Mississippi State A&M tonight and then Ole Miss and LSU. Rippy will join us on the phone. He's on his way. Uh, down to Baton Rouge. She will join us on the phone in the 5 o'clock hour. Are, are you saying that operator will put him on through and we'll call Rippy in Baton Rouge? Yes. Nice. Okay. Uh, the NFL is going to change their overtime rules just slightly, but it's basically because the Kansas City Chiefs didn't like the way the AFC Championship went down. Patrick Mahomes never got to touch the football in that game. They're putting forward a new proposal, and it sounds like it's going to be accepted. We'll tell you what that is and why that is coming up here in a little bit. We started something yesterday, and Haydad never actually got to give his piece on it. We tier-ranked the SEC coaches, ranked them 1 through 14, or however we wanted to do it, and Haydad never actually got to give his ranking. So we're going to do that today, let him have his chance. Lindsey Hunter. Cross, taking up all the airtime. <laughs> hey, we don't have to worry about him today. Lindsey yeah. Hunter is going to join the program, the new basketball coach at Mississippi Valley Coach Steph Curry, Coach Clay Thompson, back in the SIP to coach college basketball. Can't wait to hear from him coming up. That's at 420 today. A lot of questions to ask him. Of course, we're going to ask him about his current job, but I really want to know, since he was with Golden State, with Thompson, and with Curry before they started winning championships. So I'm going to ask him if he knew that it was coming with those two guys early in their career before Golden State became the dynasty that we know now. Really excited to have him on the show today. New number. I say they're not new. We knew this was coming, but numbers from the draft came out. And if you've listened to this show long enough, you've heard me say that Mississippi, I don't think or didn't think, could sustain two elite level college football programs. But draft numbers say if the talent was kept in state, maybe that's not true. And maybe I'm wrong. So we'll discuss that later. A lot more coming your way. And I am not feeling well. Hey, that's got to carry me today. Thoughts and prayers going my direction, please. 
but we're certainly glad you're with us today. And credit goes to you for setting up that Lindsey Hunter thing, by the way. Hey, well, you know, I thought it would be a good interview. I think I think I'm interested to talk to him because, you know, that's something we're Sports Talk Mississippi, and yeah, you know, we I think we do a pretty good job with State and Ole Miss, and we do our we do a pretty good job with with USM. We gotta get some of these other schools on here every now and then. So good good to talk with Coach Hunter today. Looking forward to it, and a, a good reason to do so as well. All things considered. Uh, Benny tweets at us, and you can too, at Sports Talk Miss, and says, rules are stupid. Let them play two whole games. It's Saturday, not Sunday. The seven-inning the seven inning doubleheader thing drives me up a wall because you are giving official formal results, final results in conference games that have implications to them. Mississippi State, even though they probably have it almost locked up, they have to win games down the stretch, but they're a national seed. But A&M's right on that bubble of hosting and not hosting, and you're going to decide that based on games that you don't play the full length. It's like cutting basketball off after 30 minutes instead of letting them play the full 40. It doesn't make sense. It shouldn't be an official result. And yet, in an SEC West matchup, teams that, well, one of them is competing for a West title, competing for a national seed in a host spot, and you're going to shorten their games. It's stupid. It doesn't make any sense. And I will calm down after the break. It's Sports Talk Mississippi. <laughs> Back in a bit. Back on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming live at supertalk.fm. You can text the show 601 879 4395. 601. 601- 879-4395. That's the ceasefire text line, but ceasefire reminds you, please do not text and drive. We want you to be a part of the show today, but we want you to do so safely. Philip and Starkville says there was a time they would play a nine and a seven inning game. When it's Saturday, it makes no sense to play two sevens. Play a nine. If it runs longer than a set time, play the second game as a seven. Sounds like a fair compromise, but why does there even need to be a set time? I don't know. I mean, it's baseball. You know, yeah. supposed to just enjoy. I don't know. We're getting too far down the rules <laughs> rabbit hole. I don't feel like reading any books today. So um, I was told there'd be no math. Yeah, there's not going to be any math today. I did. I did make an observation last night. So I, I've made it a point to try to watch Major League Baseball this year. I have repeatedly said I find it a little boring, and I've tried to make it a point to watch it. Because I do love the sport of baseball. I like the flow of college baseball way better than Major League Baseball. It feels like it moves faster. Maybe it's because part of what I do for a living is having to watch college baseball, so I've learned to enjoy it. But I like baseball. The Major League level just seems really slow to me. But I've made it a point this year to enjoy it. I put on, I think it was the Red Sox-White Sox game last night, and I found... Exactly what is wrong with pace in Major League Baseball. It's one fix. People talk about clocks in between innings and stuff like that they need to cut down. It is so, the solution to Major League Baseball is so simple to me. All right. Let's hear it. You don't let the batter leave the box. Now, I mean, you can have one foot in and one foot out and the pitcher not throw the ball. But the biggest problem with Major League Baseball is when a pitch is thrown, Batters will step back and walk away and do all their adjusting their gloves and get a signal and do a couple swings and then slowly walk back into the box, call time, dig their foot in, draw whatever they do in the box, and then get ready to swing. Never let them leave the box. If you need a second, you take it, you you step out, but the umpire's back there saying, hey, get back in, pitch is coming. Never let the batter leave the box, and you will improve the flow of the game so much better and not have to change anything else about it. Just make them keep a foot in the box. That's, that's been a long-time complaint, too. These guys who come out, they got to adjust their gloves after every swing. They tap their cleats after every, every swing. they got to spit. they got to adjust the cup. and Just get in the box. I agree. Yeah, I'm not going to disagree with you on this one. And have the umpires just... It, either not grant time or make time short. So if you see a pitch, I don't mind. If you are if you swung and your glove kind of twisted, you fixing that real quick. But do it with a foot in the box so the second you're done, ump makes you put the other foot back in and pitch is coming. You can keep everything the same about baseball. You don't have to change any rules. You don't have to limit mound visits. You don't have to do anything else except for that. 
and you will improve just the flow of the game. Because there are times where you go three minutes without a single pitch, and that is that is a problem. Do you think that timeouts in baseball should be like timeouts in football? You got a certain number of them. Ooh, like that's each an batter inter- has that's an interesting thing I've never thought of before. Should each batter have? I mean, you can get one per at bat, maybe, or maybe one per for. I don't know. I don't know how you would make it work. But. Ooh, I like I like that concept though, and and you can make it to where like sometimes pitchers will just stay on the rubber and make you call time. Yeah. Nah. Can't. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's I like pitchers that. will do that too. They're delaying the game too, so. You know, throw the ball. Let's go. That is, that is, I've never even seen that proposed before. You're an innovator. What can I say? <laughs> yeah, I was just watching this game last night and thinking, you know, if the ump would just keep him in the box, this game would be in, entertaining. But You and I just solved this problem in five minutes. Don't tell me that we can't live in a better world. Yeah, right? the commissioner just needs to call us and pay us whatever he pays all of his other executives, and we'll be good. I'll take half of what they make and, and be We're, we're getting fine. that thing we talked about the other the VP of common sense. That could be us. <laughs> a lot of places need that kind of position. Uh, but let's keep talking this college baseball thing. So you have a different matchup tonight. You thought it was going to be Keegan James and Doc Sackis, but now you get the matchup, as you said, hey, Dad, that everybody was looking for. If you look at... And we got to see A&M relatively up close last weekend. A team that doesn't hit the ball particularly well. They have a bunch of guys that are talented enough to do it, but by and large, as a whole, not the best hitting team in the world. And pound for pound, Mississippi State matches up with them pretty well, especially on the mound starter-wise. Maybe A&M has more bullpen depth. I don't know. But this is a really favorable advantage for Mississippi State. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, in college baseball, you know, pitching is great, but offense nine times out of ten is what's winning games. You just don't see a whole ton of two one three two games uh, these days. And and Mississippi State is the best hitting team uh, in the SEC. They've been really really good all year, top to bottom in their lineup. Tonight they won't start a guy who's hitting below two eighty uh, in the in the lineup. So I mean that's that's really impressive. But State's pitching has been good enough, especially the, the starters. Uh, Ginn and Small have been so solid all year. Plumley seems to have found a little bit of a niche. It's just about the bullpen for Mississippi State. When they get leads, can they hold on to them? Um, you know, because I, I don't expect you know you can't expect somebody to score 19 runs like they did last Friday, or nine, even nine runs. But you got to believe that you have have a six-one, six-two lead going into the seventh, eighth, ninth inning that you can hold on to those kind of leads. State made that very interesting in Game Three last weekend. They were six-one going into the ninth. The final score was six to five. Um, so Lee Belt, Barlow, Colby White, Cole Gordon, and then you know the other guys who throwing a couple innings here and there like Brandon Smith or Jack Egan. Can they do that this weekend? And if, if State's bullpen is just good, it doesn't have to be great. It's got to be good. It's, it's got to just not give up leads because I think State's going to be able to hit the ball. And on the flip side of that, like you mentioned, A&M is hitting two fifty nine as a team. Uh, they got one guy hitting over uh, three hundred. It's Brendan Shoemake, who, much like Grandpa Jake Mangum, as you like to say, that guy has been at A and M as long as Reveille, I believe. And when you're so, watching them, the first time he comes up to bat, not all, but a lot of A and M fans will literally take their shoes off and hold them up above their heads in the air. They're the not first a cult time he comes anything, up, though. they're not a cult though. Um, you're in public. Yeah, so keep your shoes on. What is wrong? Keep with your you? dogs caged at all times. <laughs> I feel like Ron Swanson when he found out that uh, that uh, Eagleton Ron liked to wear sandals. Like, oh my no, god, <laughs> doesn't work for me. So yeah, just just for state, I think you know offensively they're going to have the advantage in this series, and they just need their pitching staff to keep A and M at bay, and they'll have a great chance to take a, a big series on the road. Does the shortened games tomorrow favor either one? Favor state because, you, like you said, you're worried about the bullpen. Well, I mean, I think Ginn can be a, a pitcher tomorrow who can give you six innings at least. So you mainly have to get one inning out of that game one, and then you've, you've got everybody sort of available. Small and Ginn, if they can go, you know, if Small can give you six, seven tonight, and then Ginn can give you six, or maybe even a complete game tomorrow, it sets you up really well for that final game uh, on Saturday afternoon. Ceasefire text line 601-879-4395 if you want to be a part of the show. John from Hurley says, watch Mike Hargrove, the human rain delay on YouTube. So I looked that up quickly when you sent that. That looks fascinating. So I, I've never heard of this guy before, Hey Dad. It looked like, based on images, he played before my time. 
Okay. But there's a, a YouTube documentary about this guy. If you, he pl- if you Google him, Mike Hargrove, human rain delay yeah. pops up. <laughs> so this he guy. He's the manager for the Indians. Okay, I remember that. And he still works for them. Uh, yeah. But uh, he would have extremely long batter's box routines. They are described as twitch, twitchy, obsessive, and excessively long. I cannot wait to watch this. It's going to make me really right mad. Now. Turn the sound off. I, mean, I just need to see, right? He would. Okay. Right. Th- right. Here's a timeline of what he did. He would touch his helmet, pull oh up God. the shirt on his shoulder, wipe his nose, adjust his gloves, pull up his belt, flick his shoes with his bat, adjust his helmet again, and sometimes repeat it. This is just painful. <laughs> I would, I would, how this guy doesn't hold the major league record for getting hit by a pitch, I'll never know. Pitchers must have hated this guy. Get a text from the 662 area code. This is one foot in the boxes rule in high school, but it's let, left up to the ump to enforce it. And yeah, I wouldn't mind some leniency. Like if a guy gets brushed back, if you get yeah, you thrown take a minute at, to compose yeah, yourself. That's fine. Uh, at, the, at the umpire's discretion. But as far as I'm just going to call time here, nah. We're going to cut those cut down on those. C. Ray says he's on board with that, and George from West Point says, who let the dogs out? Who, who, who let the dogs out? D-A-W-W-W-G. That couldn't have been less enthusiastic. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to you know, get all excited or anything, but come on. If you're going to read that tweet on the air, you got to stand up. I know you're sick. Oh, a little man. energy. I, I am not. I, I, any other day, I would have started singing that, but I also want to keep my job as well. Uh, and then we've got Ole Miss and LSU in Baton Rouge tonight. We'll talk to Rippy about that coming in the 5 o'clock hour. He's actually going to be down there. Decided to take it upon himself to get in the car and drive down. Probably He's has nothing to do with to pay for meals at the Chimes and Parades and all those good places to eat. Yeah, probably has nothing to do with the party that's going on down there this weekend. Oh, yeah. Yeah, maybe not. Looking forward to hearing from him later on today. In case you missed it yesterday, Chris Burke of the SEC Network, who's on the call, I I guess, depending on the TV schedule, he's in College Station getting ready for Mississippi State A&M. We previewed that matchup with him, and you'll hear that next at Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio. In about seven minutes from right now, you'll have baseball on some of these stations you are hearing us at the moment. Mississippi State and Texas A&M, and if you want to continue listening to us, you can. Supertalk.fm slash listen, or the Supertalk Live mobile app. Michael Borky, Brian Haydad with you this afternoon. We'll check in with Rippy here in the 5 o'clock hour. And I know this is a baseball day, and we're going to talk a lot of baseball, some football thrown in there as well, but here, here's something I wanted to get to. One, I have a Tiger Woods story for you. So I hope one day we can all have enough money to where anytime we travel, we just bring all of our own stuff with us. I don't even know if this story is actually true, but considering the report that came out today, I'm going to continue to believe this urban legend I was told is actually true. So I went to the Masters many, many years ago, and we met up with other people we were going with at this house, and they rent, a lot of people there, rent their homes for the week, And make a lot of money doing so because people want to stay at the Masters for a long time. And the people that can afford $3,000 golf tournament tickets tend to rent expensive homes to go to that tournament. Tiger Woods is not a hotel guy. Tiger Woods is not an Airbnb guy. According to the the owner of the home that we rented, Tiger Woods, during the Masters, will rent a home in Augusta and pay the homeowner to move their furniture out so he can move his in for the two weeks that he is staying at the Masters in Augusta. His own bed, his own couch, his own whatever he wants to move into that house for the two weeks, he does it and pays for it. That's what I've always liked about Tiger. He's so relatable. I mean, I just <laughs> I get where he's coming from on these things, you know. If that if I had that kind of money, I would do that. But hey, that was always just an urban legend, I was told. And now I really believe it because here's the story today. And this is not the first time he's done this. The PGA Championship is coming up here in a few weeks, and there is a a marina about 13 miles from Bethpage Black where the tournament is being held. Tiger Woods has already docked his $20 million yacht at this marina so he can stay on it and commute the 13 miles between that and the golf course every day. Here are the details on this yacht. It's a $20 million yacht called Privacy, of course. (laughs) 
It's docked in Oyster Bay, New York right now, 13 miles from the site of the PGA Championship. It's 155 feet long, 6,500 square feet, 6,500 square foot yacht. It can sleep 10 guests in five staterooms in addition to four cabins that house the ship's nine crew members. It also features a fully equipped gym because, of course, it's Tiger Woods, a three-person elevator on this boat, a large jacuzzi, again, because it's Tiger Woods, a bar, a scuba station, and has room to carry three sea dews, two ocean kayaks, and two Vespa scooters. And it apparently costs $2 million a year just to operate. I mean, you know, stuff you see every day. Tiger Woods spends more money operating his boat than I will make in my lifetime in one year. Yeah. Does that hurt? Are you okay? (laughs) I mean... Uh, I just wish my dad would have given me a golf club sooner. I mean, I'm pretty sure my dad could have given me a golf club out of the womb, and I'd still <laughs> shank every shot I ever try to do. So people keep asking me, you know, what do you want your kids to do? Well, the the easy answer is whatever they want, but really I'm going to hand them a golf club the second they can stand up and just hope. Either that or tie their right hand behind their back and teach them how to pitch. Always <laughs> a market. Teach them lefty? Always a market for left-handed pitching. Here's a, a stat. So we talk about how Ole Miss is bad against lefties, right? Yeah. They're fourth in the SEC in hitting left-handers. So then where does this come from then? Well, because the, the average is almost 100 points lower. Oh, against than it is against righties? Yeah. It's, it just goes what, to show you that it? the lefty is at a premium. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What is their average? Do you have it? Against lefties, it's like 240. Oh, wow. And what was State's yesterday? You're putting me on the spot here. Then Richard told us it's like it's over 300, right? Something like that. They're the best hitting team oh in God. the SEC by far. Oh, I, mean, I know what their their team batting average is. I just didn't know what it was against lefties. And but I think Richard said it was over 300. I mean, they're hitting 316 as a team, so it would make sense that both are. Wow, that's something something to consider for tonight. That's for sure. And uh, getting you ready for baseball. That's coming up here shortly. We're going to go ahead and put that game on ourselves. Um, and we'll talk about it throughout the show. We've got some football stuff coming your way. Great interview also with Lindsey Hunter coming up in about 20 minutes from right now. You don't want to miss the new head man, basketball coach at Mississippi Valley. He coached Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. So you think that guy knows what he's doing? It's a great hire for Valley and really excited for him uh, to join us on the show. NFL's changing their overtime rules potentially. We'll talk about that next as well as keeping you updated with baseball throughout the day. Brian Scott Rippey will join us. You'll hear from David DeLucci. A whole lot of stuff coming your way in the next two hours at Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. A hit-by-pitch in the top of the first has a man on for Mississippi State with one out, and we are underway in College Station. I didn't even think about this until just now. I wonder how AM feels knowing that they've got a poor man's version of Duty Noble Field now with Bluebell Park. Those guys got more money than King Croesus, man. They'll just snap their fingers and build a new one. <laughs> well, they got to find a new athletic director first, I guess. But, man, they just threw money at their two money sport coaches anyway. Yeah. They, Texas A&M is rolling in money. They got, they got more than anybody else in America. Billions. Which, which, when you consider the insane plethora of talent in the state of Texas and the way recruiting just works, that they would have been able to field teams that were competitive by now? Yeah, I mean, but, you know, same goes for Texas, too. Texas is not exactly hurting for money. And they, 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 the fact that Texas and Texas AM aren't dominant year in, year, in, year out is, is one of the great quandaries of, co- of college football. It, do, it does. College sports in general. It does lead. I think you make this point a good bit. Is you're one coach away, really, from being really good or really bad, one way or the other. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, that's. I mean, I say it all the time because I mean, you know, Mac Brown was really good for a while, and that's the thing about co- coaches. Sometimes it hasn't happened with Saban yet, but when they go bad, they're they're like bananas, man. You just wake up one morning and they're all gone. <laughs> you just can't. They, eat. They're not recovering either. Yeah, yeah. No, very, very rarely does a coach. Uh, 
have a, a couple bad seasons and oh, then he turns it back around. It didn't happen with Jackie Sherrill at Mississippi State. He had two bad years, but then he turned it around. The second time, they gave him three years, and he couldn't turn it back around. Uh, it didn't happen for Les Miles. You know, once he started to drop off, he dropped off, and that was it. And you know, it happened with Mac Brown. So we'll see. We'll see. You know, we'll see if Jimbo Fisher can be the guy there. And you know, Tom Herbin, I like him. I think he's he's doing okay. He had a, he had a, he started behind the eight ball a little bit. We'll see where they are in in year three. Tanner Allen almost grounds into a double play. He can scoot though uh, for your three hole hitter and yeah, uh, got, beat got, that out. Yeah, they got some they got some speed in the lineup. So this is a story I saw yesterday, and I'm actually kind of surprised this is happening. So uh, this probably doesn't apply to my new segment called Fair or Foul, but we're going to do it anyway. The NFL owners are going to get together later this month and vote on a proposal that was put together by the Kansas City Chiefs. And once I tell you what it is, you'll understand why. The proposal is basically to change the overtime rules in the NFL to make it to where both teams, no matter what happens, are guaranteed a possession. So if you missed or don't remember the AFC Championship last year, the or Chiefs if you the- didn't watch it because you were so mad at what happened in the <laughs> NFC Championship game. I didn't watch the first three quarters of it. I didn't watch a single second of that game. I, w- I was done with the NFL at that point. So the Patriots get the ball first in overtime, drive down the field, score a touchdown, win the game. Patrick Mahomes, your league MVP, did not touch the football in overtime and a game in which his team lost. That caused Kansas City to put this proposal together, and it sounds like, and uh, we almost had a home run there. Just pulled foul, though. Um, is that Rowdy Jordan at the plate right that, now? That's McNamee. That's, okay, McNamee. it's Elijah McNamee. They just put the cry on up there. Uh, I'm trying to learn faces. I haven't gotten those down quite See, yet. Yeah, I'm, I'm I, I talk to these guys enough that I can spot them by face. So. Um, and, and so the Chiefs put this proposal out there, and it sounds like, based on language... Um, from Stephen Jones, uh, the COO of the Cowboys, he's on the competition committee, but a lot of people involved in this think that this is probably going to pass, guaranteeing a possession for both teams in overtime, because as it sits right now, if you receive the kickoff, go down the field and score, you win. If you receive the kickoff and go down the field and kick a field goal, the other team gets one opportunity to win the game. They want to change that to guarantee possessions for both, no matter what happens. You agree or disagree with that? I don't have an issue with that at all. I mean, as it, it, the first, the old way never made sense, where they were just you, you got a possession and that was it. And now you know this doesn't really make a whole lot of sense either. You know, it, I get the whole both 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 overtimes, college and pro, are flawed. But I think college does a little bit better job of making it fair because you get both teams get a possession. Um, so, yeah, the NFL, I mean, it doesn't make sense that you don't get a possession just because you gave up a touchdown. I, I would be in favor of this change. And it's only going to be for the postseason. So the initial proposal was actually yeah, see, that's to... just dumb. Yeah, it that doesn't make, make any sense. sense. But the initial proposal was for all of it, and it sounds like they're going to just adopt it for, for the postseason. And the reason that was given was, well, regular season games last too long as it is. This will just make them last longer. So we're not going to do that, but the playoffs are a different story. Don't really follow that logic when not many yeah, games I mean, go to overtime. And just go to, and if it goes to overtime, it has a it has a time period. If you get a tie, you get a tie. And Ties two- happen in the NFL, but chances are somebody's going to get a score and a stop. I think you should find a way to get rid of the tie too. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of it, but. In the NFL, I get it. I guess college, the way college does it right now is. I'm a fan of the college overtime. I always have been. I, I don't. I don't like what they're doing now with this whole silly two point conversion thing. You know, I've always like. I've always liked. And if it goes seven eight overtimes, well, that's just more football, man. I enjoy it. And that's happened. They're changing this rule for a game that has happened twice in the last twelve years. Yeah. It is loud out there Let's for uh, for Mac and me for the third out in the inning, going to uh, bottom one. Um, Mississippi State and A&M tied at zero. Bad crowd there at A&M, quite frankly, but I guess 4 o'clock on a work day is is not really going to draw that well. Tomorrow, if the weather holds up, will be a pretty good atmosphere. I know they're weird, but those people just love their baseball. They'll come to the baseball games for sure. It'll be a good crowd. Yeah, like I said, this game was – I don't even know what the original time was supposed to be, probably 6 or 7, and it's 4 o'clock, and, I mean, it's just thrown off, so – 
the stadium in the background, the football stadium, is really cool. But those practice, the the color scheme that they use, not talking about maroon, I'm talking about on campus, the that faded like khaki color that mm-hmm. they make everything is just hideous. Use brick. What is so hard about brick? It's the the, the core of cadets is what they wear, right? It's those khaki uniforms. Yeah, and I guess they're not lucky enough to wear the full white like their yell leaders. The milkman, yeah. I saw a, a picture of Buzz Williams' press conference, and there was about nine or ten of those guys standing there waiting for Buzz to walk up. I wonder if he, as he's walking to the podium to give his, hey, I'm the new coach speech, he just stops and looks and thinks, you know what, maybe this was a, this wasn't a good idea. I would have told the athletic director ahead of time, like, I don't want to talk to those guys. Like, they just keep them away. I don't even want them at the press conference, to be totally honest with you. I want to be. I want my press conference to be a milkman-free zone. I wonder how it would be received if their new athletic director, in his opening press conference, said, oh, by the way, female cheerleaders are coming. Oh, he would, he would be fired the same day. <laughs> That's, that would not be. Whereas right. every other school in America would be like, finally! Yeah. Now that if any you talk, we keep talking about traditions and it's tough to change them. Nobody's changing anything at uh, at Texas A and M. They'll still be doing ball five after uh, the second asteroid hits in the year three thousand and sixty. Yeah, I was just a little outside ball five. <laughs> you Fire hit Europe, not us. Fire and ash in the background. (laughs) Cats and dogs living together. Ball six. Holding up their their rings. Uh, Anyway, Shoemake stepping up to the plate now on that one. We'll talk to Lindsey Hunter next. And especially with how the game has changed, too, is another thing I want to ask him about. A lot of questions for a little bit of time. Maybe we'll have to have him on more than once. I heard an interview recently, Hey Dad, with a guy that used to work in the San Antonio Spurs analytics department. He's a really smart guy, wrote a book um, about how the game of basketball is changing. And he said, we're going to the point now where the only two shots that will be taken in basketball will be a layup slash dunk. So a shot at the rim or a three-pointer. The way the, way the trend is going, the two-point shot at all will be almost eliminated because analytics show that those shots are incredibly inefficient. It's better to miss a three than to make a long two at this point, the way the numbers shake out and percentages and all and efficiency and all that crap. He, he's scared of the, the direction of the league simply because the mid-range J is becoming obsolete to the point where nobody's going to use it anymore. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, yeah, I see where he's coming from and all that, but to me the game always evolves and a lot of times it evolves back. It, it, it revolves, maybe would be the way to put it. See, you, you end up, you know, I won't be completely surprised if 10 years from now you start seeing dominant centers again. It's sort of like football, you know. Offenses do this, defenses adjust, offenses do this, they adjust. And sometimes you come all the way back. So, we'll And people don't that, give enough Texas. credit to guys like Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah. yeah, he's a big dude that can bang, but he also steps out and makes shots. Yeah, he's just on yeah. a bad team, which doesn't help. But if he was in Golden State, people wouldn't be talking about demand just... a trade to the Lakers. If I were him, <laughs> Lindsey Hunter next. Really excited about this one. The new basketball coach at Valley. We'll talk to him next at Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Okay, but now we've got Coach Lindsey Hunter on the phone. Coach, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Glad. Uh, Glad you are with us. And uh, let's just start right here. Mississippi Valley State. Why Valley? Why right now? Well, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, I think it's uh, the perfect opportunity to, that presented itself to me at the perfect time. You know, uh, a lot of times life is about timing, and it all kind of came together uh, like a perfect storm for me. So, uh, hey, here I am, uh, and now I'm out on <laughs> You know, getting ready to get on the recruiting trail and, and started uh, building my program. I've always wondered this. So after the contract is signed, after you do all of the media opportunities, whatever, when you sit down in your office for the first time as the head coach at a new school, what is the first thing you do? Um, well, the first thing that I had to do was uh, you know, uh, start getting on the phone <laughs> and, and – uh, either take calls or make calls, you know, uh, 
you know, you, you find you become a popular person when you become a head coach. So you, you're, you're the guy that people are calling trying to, you know, ask to be on your staff or, you know, somebody has a player. It's just a, a, a just a, a bunch of things that, that go on and, you know, you got to deal with and, and try to get settled down. Coach, this is Brian Haydad. You know, for so many programs, especially in this state, a coach can become the face of that program. When I think about Mississippi Valley basketball, obviously I think of Lafayette Stribling first and foremost. Have you had a chance right. to talk to Coach Stribling and what advice has he given you? And most importantly, do you plan to wear any of his suits this uh, this season? Well, I haven't talked to him just yet, um, but I'm, I'm sure I will. Uh, I've talked to him in the past. Even when I was a player, I, I had a great relationship with Coach Strib and, and um, you know, in the, in the battles I had against Alfonso Ford and myself. Um, so I'm, I'm real familiar with, with Coach Strib and, and, you know, I'm real familiar with Valley. Uh, and, and I'm sure he'll have some words of encouragement for me, um, and, and as well as uh, a lot of the other coaches that, that have mentored me along the way. You know, um, that's the good thing about it. I have a lot of people that I can lean on in my corner. You know, Coach Mike Davis, Coach Andy Stoglin, you know, um, Coach Al Perry. Those are guys who coached me that we've been, um, you know, they've been mentoring me throughout my NBA career, throughout my coaching career. Uh, so I have a, a strong supporting, supporting cast with me. What do you think about with, with Valley Basketball? What's the ceiling for that program there? Can they become the dominant program in the SWAC? Well, that's the plan, you know. That that's that's the plan. We, uh, we're we're you know trying to put together a team that uh, that'll be uh, competitive uh, regardless to you know who we play. Yeah, that that's that's what we want to build. And and um, you know I'm a I'm a basketball fanatic, workaholic. I love being in the gym. I don't even consider basketball as work, honestly. Um, so we're gonna work until we get it right, and we're gonna develop the talent that we do have to. And to try to get them to play a, a level above uh, uh, what you what, you know what everybody perceives them to be. Yeah, Coach Lindsey Hunter, right now on your radio at Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming live at supertalk.fm. Uh, two-time NBA champion and now the head coach at Mississippi Valley State. It's no secret that everybody loves football around here, and baseball is also extremely popular. What is is there something missing, or is there something untapped in the state of Mississippi where it could become? a basketball state where the basketball prospects stay here and the programs here elevate to an elite level? Uh, I think so. I think there's enough talent in Mississippi alone, you know, uh, that that if we, you know, can keep those kids and, and uh, keep those kids in state or, you know, um, and, and and cultivate the talent, I mean, that, that, that can happen. I remember when I was in high school, you know, we had uh, – you know, Chris Jackson, Latario Green, James Robinson, myself. You know, there were, uh, you know, enough talent there to go to any high major in the country. You know, and, and I think, you know, things like that happen uh, and when, when, you, when you can keep that talent and, and try to keep it at home, which is tough to do. That's why you have to recruit everywhere. You know, it's hard to keep, uh, you know, great talent at home because you never know what kids are thinking or where kids want to go play. Hey, Coach, we're up against a hard break. Would you be willing to hang on with us for a couple minutes through this break and, and we continue our conversation with you? Do you have time for that with us this afternoon? I know I'm putting Absolutely. you on the spot, and I'm sorry about that. but No, that's fine. No, that's fine. That's fine. Oh, trust me, I don't have a problem telling you no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll continue on with uh, Coach Lindsey Hunter <laughs> after the break at Sports Talk Mississippi. Really good conversation. I've, I've got a lot more to ask him. I can't wait to continue this on. Talk Mississippi basketball, Mississippi Valley State basketball, his time as a coach in the NBA. All that coming up at Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. We won't waste any time. We've got Coach Lindsey Hunter on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. And, and Coach, I want to ask you about your time in the NBA and things like that. But first... Tell me about your team. When you had your first meeting, uh, how were you received? What are they like? Tell me about your basketball team. Well, you know, we had quite a few guys graduating. So, um, you know, there are a few guys left, and I just talked to them about, you know, the most important thing right now is to um, stay on top of their academics and make sure they finish the year out strong. Um, um, you know, and, and, you know, I know guys are, you know, kind of indecisive about what to do with a new coach. It's a little uneasy. Um, they don't know me. I don't know them. Um, uh, and the biggest thing is, uh, if you're if you're here and you want to be here, 
you know, you, you're going to have to really work hard to uh, compete for playing time because, you know, they're, they're, we're trying to take this program to a new level. And, and uh, the only way I know to do that is to bring in players, you know, uh, that, that are great young men and, and are willing to work hard. And that's what I'm looking for in players. And, and, and we're trying to bring some, some uh, you know, new blood in, some new talent, uh, and raise this thing, raise the bar uh, a lot, uh, you know, at Valley. Coach, you know, you've played in the NBA, coached in the NBA. You coached a year with Nate Oates at, at Buffalo. What's something you've taken from your time, maybe both in the pros and the, your time in college, that you want to bring to Mississippi Valley? What's a, a philosophy that you believe in? Well, the, the one thing that, that, that is constant with me, you know, is, is having a, a blue-collar mentality when you're, when you're working, when you're in the gym. You know, you always have to uh, focus on what you're doing and, and – and my job is to teach these young guys that uh, you know, there, there, there's another level that you have to get to uh, when it comes to uh, cultivating your craft. And, and um, I, I always tell kids, you know, you think you're working right now, but, you know, you don't have a clue. And I often send them, you know, things, uh, 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 examples of how, how much Kobe worked in the summertime. You know, Kobe tells a story when he gets up at 4 in the morning, uh, you know, go to the gym, works until six, comes home to eat breakfast, go back to the gym, works, and, you know, uh, through lunch, comes back, you know, eats lunch, goes back to the gym, works till about eight, gets some dinner, and goes back to the gym. I said, so, you know, <laughs> when you think you're really working, there's somebody out there that's doing something that you have no clue or understanding of, of how hard they're working. And, and and I try to you know talk to kids about that and instill that in them and let them understand that you know you have to really be serious about it if this is what you want to do. New basketball coach at Mississippi Valley State, uh, Lindsey. Lind- uh, oh. <coughs> Go ahead, hey that. Poor our poor guy Borky is sick today, coach. If you have to forgive him, uh, but Lindsey Hunter here with you <laughs> on Sports okay. Talk Mississippi, coach. You just mentioned you played with Kobe. You coach guys like Steph Curry, Clay Thompson. For you, I mean, I obviously know it doesn't hurt, but what does it mean for you to be able to talk to recruits about those kind of players and say, "I saw their work habits. I know what they they did, and I can teach you to play the same way that they did. Maybe not the same talent level, but the same way that they played in the past." Right, uh, you know, and I was blessed, man. I got to I got to uh, play with and coach, you know, uh, some of the greatest players that ever, you know, uh, graced the courts. You know, I I was uh, I was in uh, Chicago. I got to mentor Derrick Rose, and you know, other than his phenomenal God given ability, man, he was a gym rat. Like Derrick worked like no other, you know, and and um, being able to work with Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, man, those guys are. You know, they're gym rats. They, they live in the gym. Um, uh, working with, with uh, a lot of the different guys that I've worked with, man, and, and experiencing some of the things I have and creating some of the relationships that I've created, you know, uh, those are things that, that, that help me, you know, sell our program. Uh, because those are things that will be at, you know, anybody's disposal once they become a part of, of our family. And, and I'm going to do everything in my power to help our kids uh, if they want to be pros, then it's my job to help them be pros, you know. But it, it's also my job to to make sure that they're productive young men in society first, and that that they're educated, you know. So all those things work hand in hand, and uh, you know. And I, I I take that responsibility serious. And, and when I uh, when I when I bring a kid in, I'm not only uh, recruiting that kid; I'm recruiting his family as well. And I and I let that be known. Lindsey Hunter on your radio. Sorry about that, Coach. I, I've fallen under the weather today and, and trying to, to hold my head above water. Uh, you mentioned those two guys, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson. Is One, is Steph Curry the greatest shooter of all time? And two, did you know when you coached them that they were going to be the players that they are right now, top of the world, championship winners, dynasty, all of that stuff? Well, uh, to answer your first question, there's no doubt Steph Curry's the, the best shooter I've ever seen, and, and whoever says he's not, um, I don't know who else they've watched shoot, but that, that kid is the greatest shooter I've ever seen. <laughs> and and Clay Thompson is top five I've ever seen. <laughs> so so uh, they are what you think they are, man. They, those kids, they do it every day and every night, those young men, and they work at their craft, and they love shooting. Like, those guys get in the gym – you know, there wasn't a day that went by that, that Steph wasn't in the gym after practice getting shots up, uh, it, it, like clockwork, you know. Um, 
Uh, and and I, I'll tell you a, a conversation Steph and I had when I was coaching. You know, I was over the guard, so um, I would often pull you know those guys to the side and just kind of talk to them about what they think, you know, uh, how they feel about going forward or whatever. And um, I, I I told Steph, I said, man, um, I said, um, you think you're as good as uh, Steve Nash? And he was like, yeah. I said, um, your goal should be to win multiple MVPs. We had that conversation before he won MVP. I said, do you think you can do it? I said, I do. And he was like, yeah, coach, I think I can do it. And lo and behold, he did it. <laughs> and was the unanimous MVP in one of those years. So I, I, I clearly could see the greatness in him, but I saw the work ethic that, that went along with the talents that they had. How much has the game changed when you started 26 years ago as a player in the NBA to now the, when you watch? How much has the NBA changed, and do you like the direction it's headed? Well, you know, I, I'm a basketball fanatic and junkie, so I love, I love, I think uh, the NBA is absolutely great. I, you know, I'm not one of the old Boulder Stogie guys that say, when I played back in my day, no, these guys, I mean, you know, uh, I'll always believe Michael Jordan was, was the, the, the greatest that I've ever seen. Um, he was just different. <laughs> Regardless of what the era was, Michael was different. Um, and you come across those guys maybe once in a lifetime. But today's players, man, you, you cannot deny the fact that we are watching some of the greatest players ever with LeBron and KD, you know, Kawhi, um, you know, with the younger guys coming up, uh, Embiid and, and those guys, man, we are watching a golden age of, of basketball, and, and uh, it, it's fascinating to watch. And I love watching. I hate missing games, you know, um, and, and I'm enjoying it. And I think it's getting, it's getting better. It's getting better and better. The skill level is getting better. You know, it, it, it was a time when the game was really physical, and, you know, they let a lot go, but, um, they've created the, the, I call it the era of the positionless basketball. Where now, and I think it, it, it's great because you don't have to be pegged as a position. You know, if you can play nowadays, it, it, it seems like most coaches are going to try to find a way of getting you on the court. You know, whether you, you're a, a tweener, we used to call it, it used to be a bad thing to be a tweener. Now, Draymond Green has made being a tweener an asset, which I, I, I love. Coach, we'll bring you back to the state of Mississippi for, for one more question here. You know, this state is so defined by its rivalries sometimes. Obviously, Mississippi State Ole Miss is what everybody points to. But for you, mm-hmm. a former JSU Tiger, was it tough to put on that mm-hmm. green and red hat? Oh, no, 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 no way. Um, you know how it is. It's like, uh, it, it's like the, the, the girl at the party that picks to dance with you. Yeah. You're going to tell her no to go try to dance with the girl who's uh, turning her back to you? <laughs> no, you're not. You're going to dance with the pretty girl that likes you. And that's the situation. So, you know, uh, uh, I'm married to uh, Mississippi Valley, and, and we're going to have a great marriage, and we're going to grow, and, and hopefully we're going to build something that, that, that'll be dominant, something that people can be proud of, and something that will be recognized on the national level. One more thing before we let you go. I'm a New Orleans Pelicans fan. In 30 seconds, i got to ask, you've coached with Alvin Gentry before. <laughs> Uh, David Griffin has decided to to keep him around, which I love because he navigated a tough situation. Uh, what do you know about what was your experience like with Alvin Gentry? What do you think about him? Well, you know, I uh, I had some experiences with him. I played for him in Detroit. Um, I was uh, I was player development in Phoenix uh, with with Alvin. Um, I, I've seen him coach a lot. I, I uh, he took over. I think he took over when when. Um, who was in Detroit? Doug Collins was in Detroit. Doug Collins was fired, and then Alvin Gentry took over. So, you know, he, he's just been in some tough situations. But you know, that's that's the life we choose. We choose to be, you know, subjected to, to tough situations, and you know, you, you learn to adjust. And uh, you know, that's what he's doing down there. You know, it, it seems like it's going to be David Griffin has a challenge upon him to to try to convince uh, AD to stay. You know, but. Um, that's why they get paid the big bucks. You, you know, you got to put your big boy pants on and, and, and uh, live in that world. And, and uh, you know, we love it. As coaches, that, that's our challenge. Um, you know, we, we wake up every day with the thought of how can we get better? You know, how can we get our guys better? How can I be a better coach? And, and that's how we live.
That's Coach Lindsey Hunter, Mississippi Valley State. Coach, thank you so much for your time. That was great stuff, and, and we're really glad you're here back in the state, and uh, best of luck to you. Thank you so much, guys. Anytime. More coming up. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Great stuff from Coach today. Mississippi State has drawn first blood in College Station. A Rowdy Jordan sack fly scored the first run, and Dustin Skelton hit a double that scored the second run. It's 2 to nothing now, going to the bottom of the fourth there in College Station. So good start for Mississippi State against Doc Sackis. We're saying that right, aren't we? Doc sure. Sackis? Yeah, whatever. That guy for Texas A&M, they're really good lefty. Mississippi State drew first blood. This is Sports Talk Mississippi streaming live at supertalk.fm, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad with you this afternoon. We'll keep you updated from the baseball front, but a football thing that I've promised we're going to let Haydad get to today because he didn't get a chance yesterday. He got talked Play over. Play the music. He got, oh, oh, give me one second. He got talked over. It. He was not allowed to give his tier rankings of SEC football coaches, and this is your college football fixture by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Get out and test drive one today. You'll find out why it's been the best. The F-150 has been the best-selling truck for basically four decades now. So, hey, Dad. If you don't like that music, we can never be friends. (laughs) I did it. Richard did it. I don't think Rippy did either, but he he doesn't count. He's not here today. He He doesn't talk. However you want to do it, I did it in five separate tiers, and I labeled them. However you want to do it, just give me your rankings, your SEC coach rankings, in tiers or 1 through 14, however you want to do it. Okay. Fire I think away. I think, I think I may go four, but I could get to five. But for, Saban is, is on the shelf by himself. He he's, he's an elf on the shelf. He's a little tiny man, but he wins a lot of college football games. No question, he is the best coach in the SEC by a large, large margin, and he is probably still the best coach in college football. My second tier, I'm going to have four guys here because I'm not going to separate oh, wow. Jimbo just just because he put a, uh, a a a national championship up at Florida State. But I'll put Jimbo with Smart, Mullen, and surprising, I never would have imagined I was going to ever say this last year. Never. But Ed Orgeron deserves to be on this list. He's got that program trending in the right direction. Now, Joe Burrow is not good as a hill I'm willing to die on, they are they're a good team, and they're going to. I don't know that they're they're ready to challenge Alabama yet, but I think they're getting closer. Smart Mullen, I would put this as a: if something happens at Alabama, if something went wrong, these are teams that could step in and win a national title. I don't think Mullen's an elite enough recruiter to do that, but he's he's definitely a good enough coach if the talent could get there. So your tier one is obviously it's just Saban, Nick Saban, and then two is. Mm-hmm. Smart Two Mullen. Is Fisher, Smart Mullen, Orgeron. Okay. <laughs> to be totally honest, this might be another one person tier. And it's sort of an odd per but Malzahn, he's not down on the bottom, but he's not in the top either. He has had two really good seasons at Auburn, but then he's had four relatively you know, mediocre seasons, especially like you mentioned yesterday. The way he recruits, they underachieve. They under they underachieve relative to their recruiting. I mean, they, they are a team that's consistently in the top ten, yet they are not a consistent top ten program. And and Malzahn, is just, he's just good for five losses, basically. You know, he had a great first year, had a great year a couple of years ago. But, you know, it, I've seen some preseason polls with Auburn in the top ten. I'm just like, what? I mean, Wait, who is their quarterback? From? I've seen it. I seen it. So... Why, why is Auburn, me, of all people, now getting that, well, we put them in the top 25 just because... Auburn is one of the is one of the most. I think I forget who did. I think it may have been. Barrett oh, Sutley I'm sorry to interrupt. CBS Jake Sports. Mangum just made one hell of a play at the oh, wall. I wasn't paying attention. God, oh man, I'll see the replay. It uh, is a diving to his right. Uh-oh. It's coming. It's coming. Hold on. So, but yeah, Auburn every year, year in and year out, is overranked relative to their finish more than anybody else in the SEC. To that to that point, Mississippi State is underranked. That is a hell of a catch. Uh, wow, that's a big catch. Yeah, that's big time. Uh, Mississippi State is the team that was most underranked relative to their performance. I know that the year they were picked to finish dead last, uh, they were picked to finish dead last both in 14 and 15, I think, and finished, I think, second and fourth. But anyway, 
Uh, so Malzahn, I'm going to put him on a tier by himself. My my next tier would be Odom, Mason, Moorhead. I'm debating Matt Luke. Well, all those guys have been to bowl games. Yeah, Odom, Mason, Moorhead is my next tier. That's fair. And then Luke is the best of this next group, in my opinion, because I'm not real big on Chad Morris. I'm not real big on Pruitt. And I am not a Will Muschamp guy. I said you weren't with us at the time. I said his hiring would be the worst hire in South Carolina football history. It's panned out a little bit better than that. But well, they had the great second year, you know, and it looked like things were going in the right direction. Jake Bentley was an exciting prospect, and then they just regressed. I thought last year, you know, going into the season, could they possibly challenge Georgia a little bit? No, they weren't even close. And so, Muschamp, to me, I'm just not seeing it there. So, that's my bottom tier. But at the end of the day, you could you could do a lot of interchanging. I mean, Odom could belong on the bottom tier. How good is he going to be with Drew Locke gone? I mean, Kelly Bryant. Is he a, a program changer? I don't think so. Um, you know, Pruitt, Pruitt could easily prove me wrong. Chad Morris could prove me wrong. Matt Luke, you know, you you, you guys are, are convinced that the the, the coaching is going to be better this year. And they're going to be well, a lot, a lot because more because of the coordinators. I mean, that that's, that's what I'm saying. But you know, so that gives him an opportunity to be to move up a tier. And Moorhead could easily move down if if the team's not any better offensively. You got to knock him down a peg. So that's where I'm going with my tiers. Run through them one more time. So Saban? Saban is Tier 1 all by his lonesome. Then we go Smart, Mullen, Orgeron, Fisher. Malzahn, Tier by himself. The Enigma Tier. Call it what you will. Uh, then we're going to go Moorhead, Mason, Odom. And then we're going to go Luke. I'll have Stoops off. Stoops is on the tier with Moorhead, Mason, and Odom. You don't think winning 10 games at Kentucky and going to three straight bowl games could get They're you up at least alongside with Malzahn? No, because I don't think I don't think I think it'll be like Feel like a drop a off flash common. in a plan. Flash in a pan, yeah. I don't see them being as good this year. So it's it's like it's great to do that, especially when you've been there for a while you're like, "Okay, we have finally gotten over the hump," but I don't think they have. I think they'll they'll regress this year. It's quite incredible. Year, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. My last year was what? Luke, Pruitt, Morris, and Muschamp. Muschamp, to me, is dead last. Dead last. I don't, I'm not a fan. Yeah, and, and we'll see about uh, Morris and Pruitt for sure. I'm not really convinced that Chad Morris is the savior of Arkansas football either, but uh, we, we will have to see there. Well, it, I mean, they, they've got a new quarterback this year, a quarterback who's familiar with that system. Uh, they, they recruited. They had a really good recruiting class. So they, they're going to take their lumps this year, but they were 2-10. and 10. If they're 4-8, and 5-7, and seven, you feel good about the direction of that program. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It is quite amazing what the running back position has become in the NFL. Outside of the outlier like uh, Ezekiel Elliott or, or Saquon Barkley, Benny Snell single-handedly beat the number one defense in college football last year, and he was yeah. a fourth-round pick in the draft. Yeah, I mean, and by that same token, the other way you look at it is the first running back off the board was somebody who was a basically a third stringer at Alabama. So it's just, it's just different. And Josh from Laurel asked a question, and I, I was going to bring this up to you, so I'm glad he reminded me. Uh, where is the – or is there any update or development on the uh, the Penn State transfer, Tommy Stevens? Tommy Stevens is headed to Starkville for an official visit. He's got visits set up to Miami of Ohio, Illinois, and then Mississippi State. That's going to happen next weekend, which is an interesting time because, as I mentioned, graduation is this weekend. Campus is going to be desolate. I mean, because State's at Ole Miss for baseball. There's not going to be anybody on campus. But, you know, for I, I get the feeling that's more just to talk to Moorhead and just – when you look at those two schools that he's up, the State's up against, boy, you have to think State's a favorite in there. Yeah, one of those uh, things it, is not like the other. It's others. not like the other. So, But uh, he is – he is. Uh, there is an official visit. The fact that he's an official visitor means he's got to be a take if he wants to come. So won't be completely surprised if uh, maybe Monday, the, I guess that's like the 14th or 15th or whatever it is, you and I are talking about uh, a new quarterback in the room at Mississippi State. Yeah, and I think it might have been Josh that that asked one of those days when it was just me wrapping up the show, and um, he asked about that in the locker room chemistry. And I, my response was, tell me if you agree, was, look, I'm sure the team loves Keaton Thompson, mm-hmm. but if Tommy Stevens comes in and shows that he is the better player, 
Yeah. The team, there will be no locker room issues because they, at the end of the day, they want to win. And if this guy gives us a better chance to win, we are fine with him yeah. existing here among us. It's not Two a quick big thing. Two quick things. First off, Keaton and the, all those guys were signed off on Kelly Bryant possibly coming in in November. Remember, the state was, was one of his finalists. But the other thing to remember with Keaton is this he still has a redshirt year available. So he could, because Stevens is just there for one year, he could take a redshirt this so year. So he played in five games last year? Keaton, yeah, yeah. Oh, he, man. He, is, he is a true junior. So he's still got a redshirt year available. You could go with Stevens and maybe Maiden as your number two, and then Keaton just gets his four games. Hmm. Something to consider. Interesting times ahead. That is something to, to keep an eye That Just that signing, and look, he has to play games, but just that signing will change the way a lot of people will look at Mississippi State going into the 2019 season if they can get that done. That is for sure. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.